Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Gojek here with the record North Show founding member, Joe Coughlin. Um, just a quick reminder before we dive on in to this week's episode of the podcast, that you can subscribe to the Varsity Podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you check us out, write, write a nice little review, um, and uh, listen to older episodes of the podcast as well. We always appreciate all the positive feedback and support we've gotten throughout the years. Um, also, if we're not anywhere uh, that you listen to podcasts, let us know. and We'll try to add the Varsity Podcast there as well. Want to make sure that we are available to all um, streaming platforms. But um, we're going to do our usual four-quarter format for this week's episode of the podcast. In the first quarter, we are going to give an update on the new Trier uh, boys lacrosse uh, investigation and uh, incident that's going on right now. We got a response uh, from the administration. So um, Joe will update everybody on that. Um, in the second quarter, we are joined by new Trier boys volleyball coach Suellen Heck. In the third quarter, we play way or no way. And then in the second quarter or in the fourth quarter, uh, we uh, recap some point of uh, some sports. We got some uh, volleyball to talk about, baseball, and uh, some uh, boys' water polo as well. So, uh, should be jam packed episode. So, why don't we dive on in to the first quarter where we give you guys an update on Nutrier's hazing incident? Um, last week's episode, we recorded this on uh, last Wednesday. Um, for all the folks at home who listen, they knew though that we uh, didn't. Uh, have any uh, official, uh, you know, any comment or anything like that from the administration. Um, since then, we've gotten uh, an email, um, which was signed by Nutrier uh, Superintendent Dr. Paul Sally, uh, Winnetka Campus Principal Deborah Dubravets, and uh, Athletic Director Augie Fodineta. Um, that was sent out to district parents uh, last week on March uh, 31st. Um, so, Joe, what, what did we learn and what was kind of the response that we saw from the Nutria administration? Well, I think we learned a few things and they kept a lot vague, um, citing privacy um, and uh, dealing with minors and, and students, of course, protecting their privacy, things like that. So they would not uh, describe any individual punishments, but they did say that students involved in that hazing incident in early March were punished, uh, were disciplined in a way. Uh, we, do, we don't know the nature. I followed up some questions and they just would not uh, give any, shed any light on what those punishments were. Now we do know that in the student code of conduct, um, consequences for a breach of code of conduct in most cases uh, our suspension from the activity. Um, so I think we can expect at least that. Um, I think they have kind of a rising scale depending on the severity of the um, infraction um, of the code and conduct. So, you know, 25% of the season, 50% of the season. If you think the team has 30 games, you can think that's about, you know, five, six, seven games um, if they do that. So, but we don't know. That's, that's all just from the code of conduct and kind of, um, making maybe some some educated guesses onto that. The team, uh, they uh, were on probation for all this year, all next year. And what that means, I guess, um, is if there is another infraction or something else comes about involving the team, they may lose their, they may lose their whole season. That's what the probation means. Um, I guess they're under a more 
um, watchful eye from administrators, um, um, but no, oh, they're also, they are uh, no out of state tournament or competitions. They missed their spring break tournament. They have one on the schedule coming up in St. Louis. They will miss that if the, um, the penalty holds um, as Nutria described. So, you know, they, they talked about in the email how um, it was a serious incident. They investigated it as soon as they found out. They did not tell us when they found out, but um, they did it. They called it a comprehensive investigation, in quotes. And uh, so they looked into it. And um, yeah, that's that's the result. Um, they also, the team has to go through um, anti-hazing programming as well as uh, positive team culture um, type programming and education this school year, this season. Um, but it, it looks as though their next game is, is coming up on April 7th, um, which is tomorrow. The, Thursday of this week at York. Um, so that's, that's what we learned. I will say I followed up with, uh, with the, the district with a number of follow-up questions, everything from um, how many students could they tell us that were involved in the incident to what's the nature of the discipline, if they could just keep things in generali generalities, anything they could, they could tell us about it. Um, you know, was there any, will the, will the team miss any more time? Was the coach punished? And I didn't get any answers. They wouldn't comment on student discipline or personnel discipline. Um, so we don't know if the coach was disciplined or not. Um, but I did get this response about um, if the district believes that uh, hazing is a recurring incident with Nutria Cross or any other athletics team or program within the school. They said the incident brought to our attention was appalling. and does not reflect the positive experience of thousands of students. Hazing absolutely is not tolerated at Nutrier. Our coaches are instructed on our anti-hazing policies and teams are warned of the consequences of hazing at the beginning of each season. In addition, many student team leaders participate in student athlete leadership training or the SALT program, uh, where they learn about anti-hazing and positive team culture. They take pride in sportsmanship and, leader, sportsmanship and leadership of the student athletes, and they continue to make steps to make sure it does not happen again. So. Take what you will from that. That was a mouthful, but that was basically the response from Nutrier. So we were kind of questioning this last week, Joe, but I mean, what did you think of uh, Nutrier's response? Do you feel like they could have been, I mean, obviously we know you want to protect the, um, you want to protect the students and their identity and all that kind of stuff. You don't want them to go through, you know, more than they need to, but do you feel like the response could have been stronger from Nutria, just letting the public know more about the incident? I mean, just what were your general impressions when you got that response? Great question. Um, you know, I think, and I'm a journalist who, who you know, pushes um, transparency and, um, you know, the public entities and any, you know, organization in power to, uh, inform the community of what's going on and, and that's to the betterment of the community and, and not everybody, uh, not all institutions completely believe in that or they believe in different versions of that and, and uh, some have the best interests of their stakeholders, you know, in this case, students and, and, and uh, taxpayers and everybody in mind. And then our opinions just differ on what serves them best. And I think that might be the case here a little bit. I, I think they you know, depending on what the punishment is for these students, I mean, they, you know, they beat up one of their teammates. So um, if they're not kicked off the team, I think the punishment deserves to be questioned, you know, criticized and the public deserve an answer of why. Um, 
Now, I think they could have been more transparent about when they knew and how they knew. And I, I personally do not believe that it, they would have made a public statement if the media wasn't poking around so much and, and community ants was questioning it because of that. So um, our story was picked up by nearly every Chicagoland outlet, especially the TV stations and um, some prints as well. So I, I think they could have been more forthright when it happened. I think the public deserves to know things of this nature. Certain things, yes, they, they can be kept private, especially if we're protecting individuals. But this is something where an assault, uh, a battery actually occurred um, and they knew about it, you know, between their student body um, ganging up on one person. It doesn't matter um, if it was in a team atmosphere or whatever it is, hazing is wrong. There's, uh, there's millions and millions. There's studies that show why, even though some might protest that uh, maybe somebody's, maybe the victim in this case is willing to endure, that doesn't make it, uh, that still makes it coercive. It's a power dynamic. Um, so um, hazing is wrong in a number of ways. The school knows it. They have it in their code of conduct. They go through all these um, seminars about it with the leaders of the program. So um, when it's breached to such a uh, major degree in a public way, I believe they should respond publicly and quickly. Um, as for the punishments, we don't know what they are, so it's hard to tell if they were appropriate or not. Do you think New Cheer should play tomorrow? I mean, we were talking about this before the podcast, but uh, um, or before recording it, I guess I should say, um, just whether they're going to be playing against York on Thursday. I mean, is it appropriate for them to, to play? I mean, like we know, like based on looking at the video that not, I mean, the whole team didn't do this um, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if it makes sense to punish the whole team over the action of um, a few of their teammates. But I mean, do you feel like it's appropriate for them to play on Tuesday or Thursday, I should say? That's another good question. Uh, again, it would be strictly my opinion, not having any currently, you know, I have children, but they're not in, in you know, high school sports teams as of, yeah, I played on high school sports teams. And I, I know that um, if my peers behaved badly and I wasn't part of it, I would be pretty upset if I lost my entire season. I, I wouldn't find that fair. And I don't think it's fair in this instance for everybody who didn't participate to lose a season or so then it becomes I think we can all many of us can agree that if if not everybody participated the whole team shouldn't lose a season so then it becomes when should they restart when is it appropriate to do so I think that's that can that's completely subjective and you can talk about when it is okay I don't know if all their teammates are going to be there tomorrow when uh they reportedly resume play um I mean we'll find out I mean I'll be out there so I'll I'll report on, on what I see and hear, but um, so yeah, it's tough. You know, a lot of, you know, from what we've been hearing, obviously in the video, there's about four or five participants. We heard it was many, not many more. We heard there were more than that um, that evening, um, but we don't know how many, you know, we're just not getting those answers and those confirmations. So it's really tough to make a uh, informed judgment on the punishment when we don't know how many people participated. But if it wasn't the whole team, I do believe they should be able to play at some point again this year. So, All right. Make sure you follow Joe for the latest uh, information. Um, he's been on top of this from the beginning. So uh, make sure you're going to the recordnorthshore.org for the latest information 
um, about this show will be out there on Thursday and uh, make sure you follow him to see um, what the response is like, not only just from the players and coaches or team, but the fans as well. So um, make sure you're catching up with him um, on Thursday night and always, but uh, let's jump on over now and go to uh, the second quarter where we're joined by new tree or girls, uh, boys volleyball coach, Sulan Hack. Um, Joe, I know you'll get a chance to catch up with her. So uh, what are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, this is a bit of a, a preemptive one since I'm seeing them tonight, Wednesday night against Glenbard West. But that is a that is a powerhouse matchup in the state to kind of the best programs um, around and certainly in uh, Chicagoland. So we'll just check in with them, see, you know, we'll talk about the game and, and how it went and uh, what was the difference. But we'll also talk about the season that they're feeling a pretty experienced and um, good squad this year. Um, and I think they should be um, pretty, pretty successful. So we'll see what the keys to their success are and what their expectations are. All right, let's have a listen. But they control things uh, tonight. What was... Uh... Well, um, I mean, they look like a more experienced team than us. Jeremy, they were really confident. They were aggressive. They were relaxed on the court. We played tight in every area. We couldn't quite settle down. We couldn't serve tough. We were passing consistently. We were hitting consistently. Um, we... Um, I think we were just up and down all game, and they were just kind of the same. They were yeah. a good team, but I think that we made them look even better than they were. Um, and they're they're way tougher serving team, though, so that's something that we got to work on. What sure. what was it with the jitters or the up and down on your side? Anything behind yeah. that? Well, it's our first time playing Glenbar West in a regular season game. Usually, we see them like final four. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we have a new team on our schedule this year. The kids, the guys, were kind of talking about. We like the idea of playing them early in the season, and um, and I think in general we're nothing about my statement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think uh, we might have built the game up a little bigger than it needed to be. It's really just volleyball. Yeah. We played way better in practice last night than we played today. You know, so we're gonna work on just getting comfortable with each other. And not, making a team, um, viewing a team as stronger than us before the game began. Right. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of mentality. And, you know, we're, in some ways we're still a new team, even though we have 11 seniors. We have, you know, they've had an unusual high school experience. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we, are, we are still learning and still kind of becoming the team that we're going to be. What kind of team is that? Like what is the goal of this type of team? Like what, if, if you guys are at your best, what's the hallmark of this team? Um, we are very deep, and we are very, we don't, I don't think we showed it very well today, we're very diverse offensively. Like, we have every single position that can score points. We're, sometimes we'll have teams where we kind of have two big hitters and trying to create right. offense everywhere else. We have it. We have a great setter and stuff on. We have great passing often. Um, and um, I think we have a very varied offense. That'll be, I think that'll be a home. Okay. Down the road. Obviously, they're a good team, so I don't know how much. It seemed like they they found holes in your block all night. Oh yeah. Yeah, is that is that a concern? Well, I, think we were I think we were early a lot. Right. We were early on the block. We weren't waiting. We um, weren't paying attention to the right hitters at the right time, and so I think it was. And they passed well. Okay, so they always yeah. had all their hitters coming in, right? So they always had an advantage offensively, but in combination with that, we didn't do the basics for blocking. Uh, so some guys I just, you know, first time seeing you guys, 
I noticed, you know, I know Stefan and Nathan, I uh, saw a sophomore out there. So who are some guys who are going to make a difference for you guys? Um, I would say Stefan is a great leader for us. He's off his offensive weapon, his serve is lights out. Um, he has a high level understanding of the game, so I think he's going to be great. Zaloto is one of the most aggressive, Nathan Zaloto, one of the most aggressive middles we've ever had. Mm. And he also can score against multiple blockers on the middle, it doesn't phase them. Um, they both play a very level, high level club team together, so have a lot of experience together. David, our sophomore outside, is a big offensive player for us. I mean, he hits at such a high point. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And he can pass. He's a big guy who can pass. And, um, and so he's done a great job. He looks like he's been there for years. Yeah. So I'm very proud of him. Um, I would say Max Mazur is another big player for us. He's on right side. Um, we didn't utilize him a lot today, but he also is a very high jumper. He was a starter on the outside for us last year. He's a very good blocker. Um, he'll be a pretty lethal threat. Thanks so much, uh, Sue Ellen, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Um, always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, we're going to jump on over now and go to the third quarter where we play our weekly game of way or no way. Our weekly guessing game where I throw out five propositions to Joe and we argue about whether they can happen way or no way they cannot happen. Um, let's start off with... Uh, New Trier and Loyola girls lacrosse. Um, both teams are set to face off against each other on Tuesday. Um, obviously, always a big rivalry between the two teams. Um, way or no way, Joe, that Tuesday's game between Loyola and New Trier girls lacrosse um, will determine um, who the better team is, especially once it comes time for the playoffs. No way, not yet. It's it's a it's the first round of a of a heavyweight boxing match, right? They're going to feel each other out, and maybe. Maybe Loyola um, gets more punches in. Uh, maybe Nutrier does, but um, they're going to take from that. I mean, we do this every year. Um, they have an early, a couple early season, mid season, and then usually many times they meet in the postseason too. So um, we'll see where it winds up. But I mean, I think Nutrier could win it. I think Loyola could win it. And that does not necessarily mean either one is the favorite for the state crown, but it's always a fun atmosphere because we get to have this conversation and we know that. Uh, they're elite, so it's good lacrosse. Um, I'm going to fade you, and I'm going to go away. I feel like we saw last year. Um, last year isn't a good example, I guess, because last year was didn't wasn't it the opposite of what happened in the regular season for both the boys and girls, or was it only uh, the boys where that was the case? I, I honestly, I, I you would ask that because I cannot remember the regular season matchup between Nutrier and Loyola girls. I want to say girls won, or I'm sorry, Nutrier won, but I'm not positive about that, so don't quote me. Right. Well, I'm going to go that that's not really the case this year. I think that uh, whoever wins this game will probably um, isn't going to be the state champion right away. But I think that's a big booster. And obviously, that's a motivator for the losing team as well. But um, I think that these two teams will probably face each other again at a sectional final, even though it's crazy that they probably should be playing in the state championship. But that's a different argument. Um, but um, I, I do I do think that will be a determinant over um seating and all that kind of stuff so i do think that this is a big game um and honestly like if this winner of this game could determine who potentially is the host um later on and um obviously you got assigned sectionals and all that kind of stuff but um i do think that there is a lot a lot more into this obviously i don't think you can take you can take everything and say that the winner of this game is going to be the winner of the state title but i do think that 
um, this determines a lot moving forward. Um, so I think that's why both uh, teams know how important this game is going to be um, on Tuesday. All right, we uh, hinted at this a little bit earlier, uh, just talking before this uh, podcast started, but uh, New Cheer lost both of its uh, games during spring break and uh, um, not off to a hot start, Joe. So I mean, way or no way you're concerned about the New Cheer baseball team? Uh, again, we're so early and they're playing on the road um, against teams that, uh, you know, they're not going to see, I, I, you know, regardless of what I think about worried or not, it, I think it's good for their season to face adversity early, whether they're close games or losses. Um, it, it's just, it's going to be good for their toughness down the road um, and uh, their, their resilience. But I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little worried. I don't know if I'm, I'm full on concerned, um, but I think they've given up a lot of runs. I think their pitching needs to fall into place a little better. Um, you know, they came back with some experienced arms. Um, I don't know if I, if everybody, like I said, we, we haven't caught up with them yet because of uh, spring break and because of the weather, but I hope to soon. And, but that lineup's deadly. That lineup can put up runs. I know it can. Um, it's just, they got to get that pitching in order or else, you know, you don't want to be in a slugfest every single game. So, um, cause you're going to face, good pitching that at least limits you. So, uh, I'm a big, I'm a bit worried. Um, just, uh, just, I think, you know, one in five or, or whatever they are, um, we did not expect that. I'll go with the way I am concerned. I think, uh, I think these, obviously this, the team they lost to from Florida and the team they lost to in Tennessee and Nashville, um, obviously are, are good teams and, um, that sort of stuff. I mean, I just think it's interesting. I agree with you. I think the pitching is really interesting. And I think the hit, lack of hitting is a little bit concerning as well. Um, and I, I mean, you saw what Nutria was able to do last year where they kind of made a Cinderella run um, late in the year last year. So I think it'll be um, it's concerning. I don't think it's anything that, you know, is uh, ending the season or something that, you know, they can't really rebound from. But um, I, I think it would be important to make sure um, that you're learning from these lessons and you don't just look down at them and saying, well, we just played some tough teams in Tennessee. We don't need to learn anything from that. I think you um, definitely should. So um, yeah, a little concerned. That does not, not to say that you can't rebound it from it, but uh, um, a little bit concerned. So I'll go with the way on that one. Um, Joe, you saw Loyola boys volleyball and we'll talk about them a little bit more in the fourth quarter as well, but um, way or no way uh, that Loyola's loss to Evanston was a good loss. Um. No, no, how I mean, I was there. Um, th they could have won that game a couple of times. I really think that I didn't see them on their best day. Um, uh, they just looked a little out of rhythm and their, their passing was really bad. And I think that's in the story. They talk about that both um, Casey McMenamin and coach talks about how it's just not, um, that's not their identity, bad passing. You know, they're, they're a ball control team and, and they, they want to be because uh, they lack, they lack some height. So, um, I caught, you know, kudos to Evanston. That's a good team. That's a high flying offense. That's fun to watch that pumps up the crowd. Um, they got a few huge hitters. Um, so I think they're going to have a, a very nice season over in Evanston, but I think Loyola kind of blew that game in a couple different points where, um, they had a chance, um, and they were saved a little bit by, um, Evanston serving errors, but I, I wouldn't call it a good loss. I think they could have won that game. See, um, obviously you're at the game, so you would know better as to what happened but I feel like your points are what I'm going to use to say that it's way a good loss right I feel like you learned from um playing a high energetic team you learned from how to play 
um, against a team that can hit. You got to learn how to block. You got to figure out how to positioning and all that kind of stuff, how to do some different reads. So um, I don't know. I feel like it's always cliche when the coach says, well, I'd rather lose this way or whatever than win by like a lot of points or whatever. But I do think that um, I, I, I do think that a game like this is good, especially early in the season where, um, I mean, you, you, you've seen how they've been able to play against other teams. They've done well so far. I think losing a, a tough game like this against Evanston probably teaches you some good lessons moving forward and um, is definitely something that may, might be helpful to them um, in a potential sectional matchup, whether that's in a regional or sectional as well. So I'll go with the way I think that's a, a good loss there. All right, Joe, we have been talking about a little bit about uh, the new chair boys water polo team and just how dominance of a start they've had to the year. Way or no way that the new chair boys water polo team is uh, the best overall team in the area so far this spring? I think way, without a doubt. Uh, just looking at their scores, they played the big hitters. Uh, well, I don't know what you call them, the water polo, the big, the big, the big guys. Um, the other juggernauts that have, you know, Stevenson, Lions, the Naperville's, uh, Loyola. I mean, they beat Loyola, who's usually a pretty good team. They might be down this year, but eighteen to three. They beat Stevenson like I think ten to two, and then maybe 10 to six, they got them, they got them twice. Um, so these are, these are huge victories. Um, they lost the Lions, So they played twice. So I think those two, you're looking at two of the top teams in the state right there. Um, but uh, the, this team's legit. I mean, they, they legitimately can't even bring their full teams to certain matches. You know, it's the nature of water polo. Um, not every team's up to speed. And when you're elite, um, you're, you're going to blow some teams out. So out of respect, I think they, they give their kids some, some rest. Um, against some of these teams that are still growing. And uh, I, I, I keep hitting the table. I'm sorry about that. Um, I think that uh, they are the best teams. So I'll say, wait. Yeah, I'll agree with you. I think it's pretty much all the same things that you said. I mean, just they, they have shown to be dominant and um, have been able to uh, do quite well. So, um, yeah, I think that's an easy uh, way. Um, I'll definitely agree with you um, there. Uh, final way or no way question, Joe, way or no way uh, that uh, Nutrier uh, girls soccer um, might not have as easy of a time winning the CSL South. Um, some hot starts from GBN and some other teams in Evanston as well. Yeah, I'll say way. Uh, soccer in the CSL South is no joke. Evanston's really good. We've seen them on the rise for the past few years, um, you know, go to, you know, beat Loyola, go toe to toe with the um, GBS uh, is in this conference. And so is GBN. These are really good soccer programs and they're good this year. So it will definitely not be a cakewalk. Um, I think they just tied somebody yesterday. Was it GBN? I'm not sure. Uh, they, they, they had another tie yesterday. So they're like three Oh and three. I believe maybe they took a loss down in St. Louis or maybe they tied anyway. Um, so yeah, it would definitely not be a cakewalk. So way, this is not going to be as easy as maybe in, it has been in, some, in other years. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it's way, I think it'll be a fun race. I think it'll be fun yeah. to watch Evanston and uh, Nutria play and GBN and GBS, like you mentioned before, even though GBS might be a little bit down, but um, down for GBS is still a very competitive and good team. So um, yeah, I think I'll agree with you way. Um, it should be a fun battle for the CSL South this spring with some with a lot of great uh, soccer happening in the area. But why don't we jump on over now and go to the fourth quarter where we talk about some uh, loose ends here and uh, talk about some um, 
sportswear. Uh, let's uh, start off with boys' water polo, Joe, you mentioned. Um, they sent over their uh, reserve team over just to get their guys some rest um, over there, and we talked about how talented of a team they are. I mean, at what point, I mean, is it just basically you play the best teams and you just got to keep going into the playoffs at this point? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. You just, I mean, I think they probably got some more tournaments coming up. They're going to they're gonna run away with the conference, I believe. Oh, Nutria Soccer, they tied Maine South. Sorry. So Maine South, we forgot, is also a very good team in that conference. I knew I forgot somebody. Sorry, Hawks. Um, back to water polo. Uh, yeah, they're just, I, I feel like they're not going to really face too much stiff competition in the league, although Evanston has a pretty good program uh, for water polo, but Nutria is really at playing at a different level this year. So um they'll just kind of work through it they're they can score a lot and they have a very good defense and they got an all-state goalie so what else do you need all right should be really fun to see what they're uh, able to do this uh this year as we move forward as uh we know that uh water polo postseason kind of starts a little bit earlier so they're um they get some more conference games in and some tournaments as well but the postseason not too uh far away but um mention some boys volleyball i mean just what, what you saw this team, you saw what they're able to do. What are your just general impressions of this Loyola um, boys volleyball team and um, what they can really accomplish this season? I saw a bit of disorganization, uh, which means they're not quite gelling yet. They're still trying to figure it out. It's a young team. They got a lot of new guys in the rotation. Um, even there's some of their uh, seniors, like uh, um, their outside Colin Murray, who's very potent swing. He's got a very good swing, but he's, it's his first varsity action, really. Um, he didn't get much playing time in the past couple of years because the is usually pretty good. Um, and he played behind Ryan Mark, who was the conference player of the year. So they're figuring out Casey McMenamin is going to be is the glue guy there. He does a little bit of everything. He's their setter, but he could swing. He's a smart hitter. And he's, you know, one of the, you know, coach called him one of the best liberos in the state. So he's um, a great passer as well. So he, he can kind of, he, you know, his leadership's going to tie everything together. I know Mark Gonzalez in the middle, has been uh, on varsity for a couple of years. So if they can, you know, shore up that serve receive, play better ball control, um, a better ball control game, I think they're going to be pretty good. And I think that they can match up with anybody in the state, but they have troubles in the serve receive. They're really going to have trouble if they have to limit their offense to just their outsides, but um, they really just got to gel. They got to figure it out a little bit. Um, their other outside Ben traps, very good, but he's just a sophomore, but you could, you could see a lot of things in him as well. Um, so I think they're going to be good. They just got to figure it out. What, how do you feel like the conference, how they'll do in the conference and what they, you know, obviously the CCL is a tough conference, but where do you see they kind of them stacking up in that conference? I think they'll be at the top, you know, CCL, as I'm, as we mentioned um, last episode there, it's a good conference, but it's top heavy. So, you know, you're going to get your wins at kind of some of the teams that are that are not as talented. Um, and as Coach Ebling said, you know, Loyal wins a lot of volleyball games. They do. You know, they win. He's got 400 under his belt. They win 25 a season at least. Um, I think that's going to happen again. Although they're six and four or seven, actually won a couple, so they're eight and four now. Um, so they they're already racking those up. Um, but I think it's going to be them. It's going to be Brother Rice. Um, Kind of in the end, you know, while Carmel here and there can put together a pretty good team. Same with Rita, but um, I think they'll they'll compete for a title again. All right, and to cap things off in this week's episode of the podcast, give me your baseball thoughts. We talked about a new trier a little bit, but just any lingering baseball 
uh, thoughts you might have either with uh, Nutrier or uh, Loyola? I just want to get out and see them. You know, I want this weather to be consistent. Um, and so does my backyard. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> the rain is, is just uh, on and off, really. You know, the sun peaks out and then, you know, rain for a few hours, maybe a few days. Um, so I just wanted to clear up a little bit for a few days, get a little warm so we can enjoy the game. And I really want to catch Nutrier. I really think they're going to find a groove. Uh, that's, there's too much talent up and down that lineup to not and on that roster. Um, so we'll see. Let's see if Nutria can turn around. You know, Evanston's a good team. Uh, the Glenbrooks always put together some talent. Maine South, no joke. So it's another tough conference for them. Um, let's see if they put it together and go on a run. And, and Loyola just keeps winning, though. They got a good lineup, and their pitching, um, we'll see, is being developed. But they're they're winning ball games. So I think it's a good baseball season, and uh, I just want to get out there and catch some action. What about you? Yeah, I am really interested to see both of what those teams are able to do. How much Nutrier, just as keep, be curious to see what Nutrier can um, do when it, you know, has more of a consistent schedule and all that kind of stuff, not playing in the, and not playing in Tennessee. But um, I am just curious to learn about what this team is and um, whether they're just going through their learning lessons right now and you just got to um, – figure things out and they'll use that later on when it comes time for the conference or not, or, or whether maybe it's a down year and maybe it's kind of a, um, you reached a high of last year and maybe you just can't reach that same high um, moving forward. And then for Loyola, it's just to see, um, are they really as good as their record says so far? I mean, they've been a lot of good teams. They've gotten um, a lot of offensive power and some good pitching as well. So um, I'm really curious just to see what, what these teams really are, because it's so hard to tell. Um, when you get a few games in, you kind of get out of a rhythm where uh, the rain gets in the way and then you don't have this on schedule and you don't have this. I mean, in baseball, especially, I feel like baseball players are the most like creatures of habit where um, if you interrupt their habits, they're automatically just not going to do as well, um, no matter how much they like prepare, no matter how much mentally um, prepared they are for that. So um, I think obviously we want to see more from both of these teams. And I think that's primarily what we want to see. So um, hopefully getting more baseball action. I think the weather is supposed to clear up a little bit more after uh, Friday. I think it's supposed to um, snow on Friday. So that'll be fun. I don't Ooh. think we'll see any baseball coming or any outdoor sports really on Thursday and Friday um, with the upcoming weather, but uh, um, hopefully things dry up after the weekend and we can uh, get more of a consistent schedule moving forward. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Well, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little shout out and review. We always appreciate the support from everybody. Spread the word while you're at those games as well. And uh, make sure that um, you are uh, also checking out older episodes of the podcast. All of that stuff is still gold, no matter how old it is, whether it's from the football season or from last summer. Make sure you're checking us out. Make sure you also check out my work at Friday Night Drive. we got a recruiting notebook coming out, some uh, commitments as well, some of the better team uh, players in the state, especially for Loyola fans learning more, wanting to learn more about some CCL opponents. There's some prospects that are signing, so we'll have some profiles up there. And make sure, as always, you are checking out Joe's work at the record North Shore. Uh, org, not only for sports, but everything else related to the North Shore uh, area. So for Michael, for Joe, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya.
Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a uh, product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.